Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Hey, it's the Tom Hartman Podcast brought to you by Cameron Hughes Wine. There's a little secret that most people don't know about the highest quality wineries in the United States and how they work. They'll say, you know, as they start their year, okay, we're going to bottle, say, 5,000 bottles of wine this year. And so they overproduce for that, produce enough for maybe 6,000 bottles of wine. But, you know, they've, they've sold 5,000, they're ready to get 5,000 out. And so that's basically all they do under their own label. And then when they're done, they've got casks of wine left over that haven't been bottled. Cameron Hughes contracts with some of the very best vineyards in America to take that essentially surplus wine. I mean, you know, it's the exact same wine you would buy in a bottle for 50, 60, 100. Uh, one of the Cameron Hughes wines I had last week, the retail price, if you knew who the brand was, was over $150 a bottle. Cameron Hughes buys that in bulk, bottles it, puts just a simple number. Here it is, lot 506 or lot 622. Simple number on it. And you get some of the most spectacular wines at huge discounts off what you would normally pay. Cameron Hughes has been doing this since 2001, seeking out high-end wine from around the world and selling it online direct to his customers. This is not just American wines. Earning Cameron Hughes Wine the number one wine brand online. It's just extraordinary stuff. Uh, I recently sampled Lot 609. This is a Cabernet Sauvignon. It was insane. It was so good. It was bold. It was rich. It had... The, the black fruit and red licorice and crushed red rock, all these, these extraordinary tastes, juicy and ripe on the palate. You got to check this out. Go to chwine.com slash Tom, T-H-O-M. C-H as in Cameron Hughes, that's his name, he, the guy who started the company and runs it. I've talked with him. He's a great guy and he's doing amazing stuff. chwine.com slash T-H-O-M. Or text the word wine, W-I-N-E, text the word wine to 511511 and you'll get free shipping with your minimum three-bottle order. So text WINE to 511-511. Cameron Hughes Wine. Exceptional value. Extraordinary wine. Now enjoy the podcast. This is the Tom Hartman Program. It's my friends, patriots, lovers of democracy, truth, and justice, Believers in peace, freedom, and the American way. Tom Hartman here with you, back here with you. And thanks to Jefferson Smith for filling in, uh, so doing such a great job yesterday. And Paul Manafort just got busted and sent off to jail. 
And uh, so, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that and everything else with Congressman Mark Pocan. Um, he had a committee meeting on Wednesday, so he is with us today live on Friday. So it's the Friday edition of Middays with Mark. Congressman Pocan taking your calls for the hour. He uh, represents Wisconsin in the U.S. House of Representatives, but also is the co-chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus. You can tweet him at Rep. Mark Pocan, his website, pocan.house.gov. Congressman, welcome back. Hey, Tom. Thanks so much. Glad to be here. So, uh, I'm, I'm, first of all, your, your thoughts on what's going on with Manafort, this thing that's at the very top of the news. Yeah, I mean, everyone, I uh, heard applause is how I heard about it. People uh, heard the news. Um, mm. my, my only reaction was there are now uh, two electronic monitoring bracelets available. So uh, maybe we could reach out to, you know, Jared and Ivanka, uh, see if they uh, need some next. Um, of course, we could separate them because I guess it's a policy of separating families with this administration. But uh, it's, you know, it's amazing uh, that how this continues to progress and, um, you know, uh, Giuliani's comments about Mueller uh, just make it even more amazing. Uh, Refresh my memory on the Giuliani's comments. Uh, which ones? Yeah, well, the most the, the most recent one, exactly. I mean, right? How many different crazy things can you say in a day? It's hard. But his most recent ones, he's talking about saying that Mueller should have to suspend the investigation uh, today, uh, mm-hmm. given the uh, IG uh, report on the FBI, which is not connected at all to this. Um, but the fact that he's now calling for it, you know, there's a real important project going on, Tom, that Move On uh, and other groups, public citizen and others are involved, but Move On, I know specifically, I don't mean to single out a single group, that is got it so that if something happens where Rosenstein or Mueller are fired, uh, that immediately they will be scheduling across-the-country rallies uh, and protests to set up uh, over that. And uh, if people reach out to Move On, they can get on the list to be notified in their area. In fact, there's, depending on when it happens in a day, there's two different times they'll have a rally. They're very, very organized, but we're going to have to have a big, big response if something happens. The fact that Giuliani said it uh, makes me a little more concerned that every step they get closer to having something really bad happen on this, they're going to try to get this done, and uh, we just have to be ready. Remarkable. And I understand that you are joining Jeff Merkley to uh, go follow up on this, uh, this brutal policy that, that uh, uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders and, uh, and, and our attorney general, I mean, this is the, the weird part, Jeff Sessions quoting Romans 13, a, a verse in the Bible that uh, was used by the British during the, you know, to, to argue against the American Revolution, uh, you should follow the law, uh, is basically what Paul said, and then was uh, quoted extensively, uh, you know, throughout the slavery era as justification for slavery, and, uh, and pretty much has not been used, according to several uh, different history professors, the Washington Post had a great piece about this yesterday, has literally not been used since the 1860s by anybody, because the American tradition is to always, you know, be skeptical of the law. You know, yeah. I, this may be, you know, there are so many reprehensible things this administration has done, but uh, this particular policy of ripping families apart intentionally, uh, I was talking to Representative Jayapal, who last weekend went to a detention facility in Seattle, where they now have overflow folks from Texas going up to. So not only are you separated from your children, but now you might be sent half a country away from your children. And it's just a disgusting, um, immoral policy by uh, a party that claims to care about family values. Of course, we've known for years that that's not true, maybe Adam's family values. But in this case, this is about as immoral and wrong as you can get. And, uh, you know, Jeff Merkley went and tried to get down there and wasn't allowed in. Um, so he's got a, a few of us, I think about a half a dozen or so of us, are going down on Sunday. I think there's another delegation on Monday. There's a couple planned for next weekend. So members are getting down there. But, you know, Jeff really was the first one to get kind of turned back. So we're glad that we're now able to get in. 
visit these facilities, visit that former Walmart that's now a detention facility, visit with the children and see this firsthand. Uh, this is the minimum we should be doing as members of Congress. Right. And Trump this morning on television repeatedly asserted that this had to be done because of Democrats. Yeah, Trump, again, this is a lie. immoral, immoral. I mean, this is his administration's policy. He could change it. And immoral that Paul Ryan is saying, okay, it's wrong, but now we have to have a legislative fix, fix because of a court case when it's not it's the administration policy. If this is a priority, which it should be, we should have this on the floor of Congress. You call us in to take care of it so people aren't separated from their families. And instead, uh, they have it thrown into a bill next week that also adds all the funding for the border. They, they have no intention of honestly fixing this. So do you and think that this is actually a, a, a brilliant strategic move where, you know, we do this horrible thing to these kids, we're basically taking them hostage, and we're blaming the Democrats, and the only way that we're going to let these kids out is if you give us the money for the wall? We're not going to go for it, and we're going to continue to fight it. The best part is public outrage. I have, I've seen emails from people that are not your typical folks who call us on a variety of issues, uh, that this is a doctor in town who isn't, uh, you know, super, super political. I saw he tweeted, he goes, I understand single-issue voters now. And it was with a link to this article. So right. I think they are not going to win at all on this. They think they're playing some kind of game of politics. Well, that's why he's blaming it on Democrats. Elements of their caucus. Exactly. And it's all for their racist element that they have within their party. Well, right. we're not going to put up with it. That's why we're starting to get down there. And I'm glad that there's multiple delegations of Democrats going down there because this is outrageous, and until we have the majority, we can't maybe put something on the floor directly, but we're going to work to direct action with a lot of groups to get this done. Yeah, and I would, I would guarantee if these were white kids, English-speaking white kids, they would not be being separated from their families. This is no. this. Okay, let's pick up some phone calls here. Dave, David in Greenfield, California. You are on the air with Congressman Mark Pocan. Thanks for taking my call. As Trump replaces White House cap and cabinet staffers with increasingly swampy yes-men and women, the only qualifications Trump is looking for are loyalty to Trump, a willingness to lie to America, and following his orders even if they break the rules and laws. H.R. McMasters was the last one to leave the administration without the Trump stink on them. Trump replaced him with John Bolton, who can't wait to get us into a war with Iran. Yeah, so David, what's your question for the congressman? Or did you just want him to react to your statement? I just wanted to know uh, if he felt that the uh, Republicans are getting tired of the uh, swampiness of the uh, employees that Donald Trump's putting into his administration. Congressman? Yeah, David, I guarantee um, the public, including people who identify as Republican, are getting tired of this because we're seeing it in the polls. Um, we, we did a poll, the Progressive Caucus, uh, now a couple months back in 30 com congressional districts, competitive congressional districts. When we asked the swamp question, it's off the charts among Democrats, Republicans, independents. But the swamp is not as Donald Trump identifies it, because he just dredged it bigger and built a high-rise luxury condo on it. It is big corporations, uh, big banks, big special interests that people rightly identify. It's when Bernie Sanders talked about the economy being rigged. This is just another way of saying it. So the president was onto something with the swamp, but you're right. He just put his own swamp preachers in. And I thought the most interesting statement, not the most interesting, but one of the interesting statements coming out of North Korea was when the president mentioned how whenever um, him would say something, how his staff would immediately respond and listen. He goes, I wish my staff acted like that. He wants to be a dictator. I mean, this yeah. is just crazy. Yeah, he, well, he, in business, he always was a dictator. So yeah. I think that's his default mode. Congressman Mark Pocan with us, taking your calls for the hour. It's Middays with Mark, Friday edition. This is the Tom Hartman Program. More of your calls for Congressman Pocan right after this.
Welcome back to the Tom Hartman Program. And Congressman Mark Pocan on the line with us taking your calls for the hour. Glenn in New York City. Glenn, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Yeah, it, it seems to me since 2008 that we've, since the crash, that we've had more Mexicans leaving into Mexico than coming here. And south of Mexico, it's been the same coming and same going. There's more people south of the border going than coming here, so there's no need for a wall. It's moot. I don't understand why, why this isn't getting out there. Yeah, Glenn, uh, great point. I think in the last decade, you're right. I think the migration has been a negative migration, people going back. Uh, so, again, there is no need for this. Here's what's interesting uh, on what we're going to be doing next week. Um, you know, we're voting on this uh, compromise, a compromise among Republicans on DACA, which actually puts money in for a wall in order to bring families back together and try to find some sort of DACA fix, although it's not the fix that we want, and we're not going to vote for the funding. And yesterday, uh, Paul Ryan said the president was enthusiastic about it, and today the president said he won't sign it. So I don't know if they're not talking to each other or what. At the end of the day, Donald Trump really doesn't want the wall that he tells you he wants every single day. He wants to be able to talk about the wall every single day at rallies so he can get the admiration uh, of his fans and, and some racists and others, but he doesn't actually want to solve this at all. So, you know, great point. One, there's not a need. Two, I don't think he actually wants to have a wall. He just wants to be able to talk about it so he can continue having rallies with adoration to fill his narcissistic needs. Jared in Downington, Pennsylvania. You're on the air with Congressman Mark Pocan. Uh, yes. Hello, Tom, and hello, uh, Congressman Mark Pocan. I just want to get your position on this. Uh, President Trump on yesterday um, unfroze uh, uh, U.S. State Department funding for $6.6 million worth is now going to the White Helmets, the so-called Syrian def uh, civil defense. Um, and uh, I have a lot of questions about this sketchy organization. As you know, the, the, the so-called chemical attack that happened in April which, according to uh, reporting by Robert Fisk, who went to East Ghouta at the time, says that there was no chemical attack at the time. And the group that uh, filmed that is particular incident that um, um, uh, uh, General Mattis used as justification for the attacks said um, uh, came from the White Helmet themselves. Um, so I'm, I'm just curious what your position is on the White Helmets and this uh, recent um, ratcheting up attention in Syria, in the South Syria, Southwest Syria. Yeah, so I did not see that, so I, I, I can't comment specifically to the article. I apologize. What I can tell you is I have seen uh, no evidence um, that I've seen through uh, any classified or unclassified setting yet that's made me believe uh, that there were not uh, chemical attacks, so I think that's probably the easiest way for me to answer that. Uh, Alan in Springfield, Washington. Alan, you're on the Earth Congressman Pocan. Yes, I think that instead of building a physical wall, they're using the separation of the uh, children from the mothers as a kind of a metaphoric wall. It, this is their meanest form of wall they could put together because they, they pretty much are just mean, nasty people, Republicans are. Uh, what do you think of that idea? Yeah, Alan, you make a great point, right? I mean, you know, what they're but they're, obviously, their intention is to try to make people not come here. But, you know, if I was in a, a place where I thought my family um, was in harm's way on a regular basis and uh, they wanted to have some opportunity and we, you know, are a country with uh, hope, for, uh, hope for tremendous opportunity, uh, I would 
you know, potentially be trying to get into a country as well. And uh, the message that they're trying to send is um, that, you know, we'll separate your families if you come here and do all this. And people are still willing to risk it because the risks are so great uh, often where they're coming from, from violence and other issues. So, you know, um, you're right. Uh, it is kind of a, a different sort of way to have a wall. It's another way to try to stop people from coming. But the bottom line is, you know, we are a nation of immigrants. We can have a sensible policy if we sat down with sensible people. The problem is uh, the people in charge are Donald Trump, Paul Ryan, and Mitch McConnell. And when it comes to this issue, I've seen no sense from any of them. Congressman, we have uh, just one minute until the break, not quite enough time to put another caller on, yeah. and it's a hard break. Um, it, do you, you know, Paul Ryan, there was a DACA bill that would have passed, and Paul Ryan refused to allow a vote on it. You've got that. You've got this wall thing. You've got this child separation thing, you know. It, my guess is that, that these are all playing to the racist base, period, full stop. That that's really the entire, that's the beginning and end of their political equation on the, on the Republican side. Do you think I'm wrong? I completely agree. In fact, Tom, it's a twofold. One, they've got to keep their base, and that's, of that 35%, I would argue it's about half of their base comes from that mentality. And two, they're afraid of being primaried uh, because of how they've gerrymandered districts. That's why we have a Tea Party. That's why um, extremists can get elected now in these either deeply red uh, or deeply blue districts. We don't do a Tea Party. They do. And because of it, um, they appeal to that racist element. Yeah, and that's that's all they need to pull together enough votes to then do the bidding of the billionaires and the big corporations. It's, Which is why they may not be a political party at the end of it. Follow a cult and you follow racists and eventually you don't have a political party. Amen. Amen. Congressman Mark Pocan taking your calls for the hour. It's Middays with Mark Friday edition here on the Tom Hartman program. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Tom Hartman program. Call 202-808-9925. More of your calls for Congressman Pocan right after this break. You know, in the world of work, one of the most important things is one of the things that people probably think the least about until they have to sit in it, which is their chair. And the X chair is absolutely extraordinary. This is the new high tech. In fact, they've got a brand new version. It's called the X3, the newest version of the X chair. It is comfortable. It is high tech. And yes, I'll say it. It is sexy. This chair is extraordinary and it will dramatically, consequentially improve your concentration and productivity because it's going to help your posture. And, you know, if you're not in pain and your and your blood is working, you know, flowing well, your brain is going to work well. The new X3 is quite simply the most modern, ergonomic, high-tech, comfortable office chair in the world, period. The X3's unique ATR fabric makes it feel like you're literally floating on air. And its patented split-back lumbar technology provides a cradling, customized feel that has to be experienced to believe. You need to see and feel the X3 for yourself. Go to xchairtom.com. That's xchairtom.com now to check out the X3's perfect blend of design and ergonomics. A lot of people, you know, checking these out and going for these chairs. Supplies are limited, so don't wait. Order at xchairtom.com. And if you do it now, you get $100 off. That's xchairtom.com. Or you can call them at 1-844-4X-CHAIR. This chair comes with a 30-day, no-questions-asked guarantee of complete satisfaction. That's how good it is. Go to xchairtom.com. Right now, use the code TOM, T-H-O-M, to get a free footrest. XChairTom.com. Now back to the podcast. Welcome back. Congressman Mark Pocan on the line taking your calls for the hour. It's the Friday edition of Middays with Mark Russ in Hickory Hills, Illinois. You are on the air with Congressman Pocan. 
Hi, yes. Thank you for taking my call, Mr. Pocan. Yes, when's the pushback from the Democratic Party start to come on TV with ads about what they're doing with these kids and Donald Trump just being a liar? Because let's be frank, we're letting this guy get away with too much. I mean, every time he opens his mouth, it's our fault. And I mean, the guy is, it's always Democrats. And we can't afford nothing, but we got a trillion dollar military, but we can't afford exercises. But we could afford $2 trillion in tax cuts. Are you guys going to push back with TV ads or, or as the guy from Tennessee said, you don't want to poke the bear because you don't want to rile them? I, I, I don't know about the, the bear comment. Um, I can tell you this, Russ. Uh, you know, we're, I don't know if we're going to buy ads because that may not make sense, but there's plenty of ability to get press on it. That's why um, you know, I'm going with a half a dozen people, uh, con- members of Congress in the Senate. On Sunday, we're going down to Texas to Senator Merkley. Um, the next day, I know there's another delegation. The next weekend, I think there's two more delegations, but we're in session in the middle of the week. People are, are doing things. We've introduced a bill. There's a lot going on. We had members this week. I was in a markup uh, for eight hours in appropriations, but we had members who tried to get arrested and couldn't get arrested to try to raise awareness. They were out in the street with uh, activists. I don't know how much the corporate media is picking up, but there are a lot of things happening from members. But better yet, there's a lot of things happening from people across the country who are incredibly outraged by this immoral action. Len in Woodmere, New York. Len, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hi, uh, you know, it was um, a great day today seeing Paul Manafort go to jail. But the reason I called is um, I wanted to offer the Democrats and anyone else a very simple way of talking about the economy that even Donald Trump will understand. And that is that the, uh, you know, back in 2009, we had a terrible recession, and Barack Obama stepped up to the tee and took a swing, and the ball went sailing, and it was kept sailing, and in 2017, Donald Trump stepped up to the tee, pointed to the ball, and said, hey, look at that, look what I did. And I think that's a very easy, effective, and uh, Trumpian uh, response. Yeah. I, I, you know, Len, I hear you. Um, I can tell you, unfortunately, I've seen some polling, multiple polls, where um, people don't necessarily make the connection from uh, Obama to Trump in some cases. In some cases, it's because people are literally blinded, uh, and you could say color-blinded, because it was Barack Obama who did it, and they don't want to give him any credit. But, you know, if you want to talk messaging, and I'll tell you, there's some, I think, good things happening, Tom. We've had some recent meetings with our people who are doing the messaging going into November, and I feel like they're coalescing around a value statement, which I think is better than a litany of bills. Um, and I think it's going to be far more powerful. But, you know, I've always thought the most simple economic message we could possibly put out, and it's not just economic, but uh, the most simple message we could have is one that Paul Wellstone, a former U.S. senator from Minnesota, used to say, uh, which is, we all do better when we all do better. It's very simple. You can take it a number of different directions. But instead of, you know, HR, then you have a number or talking about a bill or, you know, we start talking about intersectionality and other terms that maybe aren't um, super understood across the country everywhere. You know, it's so much easier to do something like we all do better when we all do better. And I hope that whatever messaging people use this November, it's something that really uh, makes people think in a very simple way about uh, how true that statement is. Amen. And may may. Mayville, Michigan. Hey, Ann, what's up? You're on with Congressman Hi. Pocan. Um, good, good afternoon, Congressman and Tom. Um, I just have a very quick question. It has to do with the female immigrant children. From what I've been understanding is that they've been uh, separating the boys from the girls. Where are the girls? Um, you know, I honestly don't have the answer for that, Ann. Um, and I will have it, though, for you next week because uh, hopefully I'm going to have a chance to ask all these questions and see it uh, up front and, and close on Sunday. 
But um, I don't know. I know that we are visiting a Brownsville Children's Shelter, so I'm not sure if the children are separated there by gender or not, um, or if they're at different facilities or just separated within the facility. Um, we're going to an ICE detention center. We're going uh, to a few other places. So I will make sure I take that question. I apologize. I don't know it offhand, Ann. Um, so I, I, I just can't give you a better answer at this point. Laura in Chicago. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Yeah, hi, uh, Representative Pocan. Um, thank you so much for going down there. This uh, inhumanity is just unconscionable. It's a, it, um, is, it, you can't even sleep at night because it's so um, inhumane. So thank you for going down there. We can't we, uh, wait for your report. But I want I you to tell us what your thoughts are about this. Nancy Pelosi has been out saying that she, is, uh, she thinks impeachment would be out of the question if the House is taken by the, um, the Democrats in, after November. And I can't imagine a, more, um, a bigger wet blanket being put over the Democrats you know, going into the November elections. Uh, is that your understanding of what she's been saying? And what do you think about that? Yeah, first of all, no. I, I know that she's trying to say she doesn't want to, you know, she doesn't think we should talk impeachment right now at the election cycle, but I think what we've been saying as members, I can't, I'm going to put words in Nancy's mouth, but I can tell you where I think the vast majority of members are at is, you know, we realize that we have to, with the current majorities, convince Republican members, uh, and that's going to take, uh, I think, the Mueller report, which is why Giuliani said it should end. It's why they've been trying to kill the report for months and months now, uh, because uh, it is damning enough that you will find Republicans who will also vote for this. So um, I, I think, Nancy, I've seen her talk more in a campaign context about that. I've not heard her say uh, that she doesn't think we should take it up, should we take the majority. I think she has said, let's let the Mueller investigation happen for very practical reasons where we are as a Congress right now. But, um, you know, I think uh, there will be plenty of questions once the Mueller report is done. And I think uh, at that point we have a chance to convince um, Republicans as well uh, that we need to act. Anthony in Georgetown, Kentucky. You are on the earth, Congressman Mark Pocan. Congressman, uh, I'm concerned about uh, this IG report um, with, with all the stuff coming out and potentially branching out in, even into more investigations, because I know that the inspector general has more in investigations other than what's going on right now. But uh, concerning the midterms and even 2020, uh, what kind of hangover do you think this is going to cause? And, and I'll listen. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I think the Inspector General report is being way overblown, quite honestly, and being purposely misconstrued to try to somehow say the Mueller investigation should stop. Um, was James Comey the most talented manager you've ever seen in a federal agency? No. Um, but I think that's what the report really essentially said. But it didn't say that there's any reason not to be doing the investigation. In a mere 16 or so months, there have been 23 indictments uh, for good reason. So um, they're going to try to spin this Inspector General report, but so far they're not trustworthy on any of these issues, and I've seen that in poll after poll after poll. They being who? So, um, the, the Republicans okay. uh, are not being trusted, especially Donald Trump is not seen as trustworthy. So as they put all these barriers out there for people to think there's a reason to stop the, the Mueller investigation, every single public opinion poll I've seen, uh, people want it to continue. So um, it's part of their subterfuge. Uh, it's part of now Giuliani's rhetoric. That's all the more reason why we, in a grassroots way, need to make sure that we're connecting with groups like Move On and Public Citizen and others that are part of this coalition to make sure that we're in the streets should they try to end this investigation. Because I'm, you know, I strongly feel that this investigation is going to lead to something very, very significant, and um, that's why they're doing everything they can to try to stop it.
Leonard in South Pasadena, California. You're on the Earth, Congressman Pocan. Leonard? You coming? Hello. Okay. Yeah, hello. Leonard, you're on the How air. You today? You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Oh, yeah. I just wanted to mention racism itself is just, just designed to keep people apart, of course. And there, there should only be one race, the human race, so we can really, you know, stop dividing ourselves. Have you heard of 5150? No. 5150 in, in uh, L- L.A. is a police code for if you're danger to yourself or danger to others, you go to the mental institution. Question, are there some uh, corporations or danger to others? Hmm. Not sure um, quite what to make of that, Congressman. Yeah, I'm not sure what to make of it either, uh, Leonard. Um, let me go maybe for the first part of your comment, because I'm not quite sure on the second. You know, this administration has brought racism to, for some people, to be okay to now do without wearing sheets. And we've seen that uh, in things like Charlottesville and others that have been extremely, I think, depressing to see. But it's also brought a conversation out that we're now having this. And this is it's racism. It's, it's discrimination based on someone's religion or non-religion. It's, it's so many things that we are now talking about. I would argue at the end of the day we're going to come out of this stronger as a country. It's going to be tough right now. It's terrible to see actions like what's happening at the border. Uh, but it is making us live up to uh, maybe a negative face that still exists. And uh, we all need to collectively fight racism together. Very, very well said. Congressman Mark Pocan is with us for the hour, taking your calls. It's the Friday edition of Middays with Mark. Here on the Tom Hartman program, your media support group for We the People. You can contact Congressman Pocan by tweeting him at Rep Mark Pocan, M-A-R-K-P-O-C-A-N. And, of course, his website, pocan.house.gov. We'll be right back. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. More of your calls for Congressman Mark Pocan right after this. Congressman Mark Pocan with us taking your calls for the hour. It's, it's our Friday edition of Middays with Mark. Steve in Park Ridge, Illinois. You are on the air with Congressman Pocan. Yes. Hey, Tom. This is Steve, the self-described concerned citizen. I wanted uh, Congressman Pocan and your listeners to be aware that the Parkland, Florida students are starting a national bus tour this evening in Chicago. Uh, their overall plan is to visit 75 cities over the next two months and build awareness for the need for comprehensive gun reform and also to encourage uh, the young to uh, actually register and get out and vote. I might mention that tonight at St. Sabina Church, uh, home of the somewhat famous uh, activist priest, uh, Father Flager, Emma Gonzalez, Jennifer Hudson, Chance the Rapper, and Gabby Giffords are all scheduled to speak. So I think it's uh, kind of nice that the Parkland students, the mass shooting survivors, I've designated Chicago where we have even more people killed on a, you know, weekly, monthly basis, uh, but maybe doesn't get the visibility that the mass shooters get uh, all joining forces. Yeah, Steve, I mean, thanks for bringing that up. I know they're coming through Wisconsin as well. You know, um, they've been extremely powerful lobbyists, better than any uh, seven, eight-figure lobbyists uh, here in uh, D.C. In, in effectiveness in that, uh, they're speaking authentic. Uh, they've got a voice from their real experience, and I, I'm hopeful that this is going to have a real impact as we try to move uh, legislation forward to uh, really address the gun 
uh, portion of gun violence. David in Columbus, Ohio, listening to WGRN. You're on the air with Congressman Mark Pocan. Hi, Congressman. Um, Ohio suffered uh, bad government for a while, and Ohio has had a gerrymandered district for uh, state representatives, and we need to have standards for voting and for districting uh, nationwide. Since a recent uh, Supreme Court decision, I think that's even more important. So is there anything in the works for, for the Democrats on that? Yeah, I, so um, good news is you know, we've had a working group for a while that John Sarbanes from uh, Maryland has been the lead on and one of the vice chairs, and we have a bunch of us who actually are vice chairs who are working on this issue. And we recently, uh, as part of the efforts going towards November, uh, the Democrats have uh, a whole package of things around ethics and campaign finance and uh, election um, accountability that we're putting forward. So should uh, the majority change, we're saying American commitment to pass these things. So I'm, I'm hopeful and I'm glad to see that because, you know, I've had several bills uh, from our conversations on the show uh, around things like uh, cross-check uh, because we just had that Supreme Court decision that was a terrible decision and allowing Ohio to do what they did. Uh, we've got bills on election integrity, and uh, we're hoping that it should, the faces of uh, Congress change in November, we've got some real ability to put that in place and make our democracy stronger. Mark in Albuquerque, New Mexico. You're on the air with Congressman Mark Buckingham. Mark? Okay, let's try Martha in Chicago. You're on the air with Congressman Mark Pocan. Oh, my goodness. Uh, uh, hello, gentlemen. Um, I had a question for uh, Congressman Pocan about campaign finance when a politician gets money to run his campaign, his or her campaign. I think sometimes they get to keep a portion of it when they leave office. And I'm wondering if this is a handled state by state because Paul Ryan is leaving, but he was given half a million dollars by the Koch brothers after he helped pass the tax scam. So he's going to be sitting pretty. And how, what is, I don't know if you can answer this question about how much they will walk away with. Sure. I can um, answer it from a federal level, and I could probably somewhat answer it from a state level. I was a state legislator for 14 years before coming to Congress. So um, we can't anymore. I think at one time you could, uh, years ago, uh, it was your money. Now um, we can give it to a nonprofit, but there are very strict rules about uh, that we can't get any access to that money. So I'm not worried about Paul Ryan is raising money right now for his team. He's doing it in a very wrong way, right, passing tax bills that give these giant breaks to the Koch brothers and others and then getting money for the overall election efforts. But he's not going to walk away with anything. I can tell you that state laws vary a lot. In Wisconsin, I couldn't take a cup of coffee from a lobbyist, anything of value, even a cup of coffee. But in Texas, unless it's changed in the last several years, uh, you could take a trip uh, to Las Vegas with a lobbyist as long as they traveled with you. Uh, in fact, they could take a group of legislators. So it does vary quite a bit state by state. And, you know, it's something that, again, if you're going to have a, a good, vibrant democracy, you have to take away uh, potential yeah. for special interests to corrupt ba the process. Back in the, you know, a few years back when Stephen Colbert was doing the Colbert Report, he created a super PAC and had a lawyer come on and explain how if you have a super PAC and then you leave office, you can actually use that money for yourself. You just have to do it in certain ways, like your pay for your home office, pay for your car, those kinds of things. Um, am I remembering that right? Yeah, and, and it probably, I mean, it, it's true probably of, it might even be true of a campaign account, but certainly um, of some of the other PACs, but you could never, like, take it for an income, like you can't take as a salary or anything, but you could cover your expenses if you keep the entity as an operating entity. Yeah, and or if you wanted to, to go to Turkey on a fact-finding mission. Yeah, and you could scan yeah. the system in some other way. Yeah, amazing. Congressman Pokian, thanks so much for being with us today. Hey, thank you, Tom, and I look forward to reporting back next week on Texas. I look forward to it, too. Thank you. Congressman Mark Pokian, pokian.house.gov. You can tweet him at Rep. Mark Pokian. We'll be back. Stick around.
You're listening to Tom Hartman. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Welcome back. Tom Hartman here with you. And on the line with me is our old friend Joe Madison, host of the Joe Madison Show, weekdays 6 to 10 a.m. on Sirius XM Channel 126. Civil and human rights activist. JoeMadison.com is his website. You can tweet him at MadisonSiriusXM. And Joe, welcome back to the show. Always good. And uh, we're keeping an eye on your boat that you left here. Oh, thank, you. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, we're going to be putting that up for sale here pretty soon, I, th- I think. Yeah, you know, it's, well, I tell you, they, that area has so changed. But, it, uh, yeah, it really, it's really amazing. has. amazing. Yeah, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Well, yeah. it's, it's, it's always a pleasure having you with us on the show. You had on your program on uh, SiriusXM, I, I believe it was yesterday, maybe the day before, uh, Senator uh, Harris. And uh, you played a clip of uh, uh, Mitch McConnell being asked if he would support anti-lynching legislation. And he said, well, I thought we did that years ago. Frankly, I thought we did that years ago. Well, uh, apparently we didn't. Yourself. You're not by yourself. Let, let me tell you how that came up. You know, there, there's this, uh, uh, this, just this amazing, I don't even want to call it a museum, but that's what it is, memorial uh, to 4,000 people who were lynched in America. And uh, down in um, in Alabama, I think just outside of uh, Montgomery. But it's it, it's it, it, what they they opened the museum down there with uh, an array of political celebrities and elected officials and discussion on on um, on criminal justice and and modern day lynching and the natural extension of those discussions. Uh, is, is you know, le- you know what are we doing about modern day uh, lynching? And I read a piece that Reverend Jesse Jackson wrote, and in part it said there had been 200 attempts, Tom, to uh, pass ant- federal anti-lynching laws. 200 attempts, and all 200 attempts failed in the United States Congress. Now you you had the Senate that apologized. Uh, for for lynching, but they never passed a federal anti-lynching law, and so I shared it with my audience, and then I asked people to start calling and lobbying, like you do all the time, get involved. This is a participatory <laughs> uh, exercise, civic engagement, and people were doing that. Well, uh, what happened was Dan- Congressman Danny Davis and Bobby Rush, I think, yeah, from Chicago. Uh, uh, it started uh, outlining federal legislation, and then uh, one of our POTUS uh, contributors, uh, uh, Olivier what's his, Bo- Do- Knox, right? Olivier Knox, who's brand new here at Sirius, he said, you know, I'm interviewing uh, the Senate Majority Leader. Is there any question that you would ask, would want to ask? And I said, ask him about supporting or passing an- a federal anti-lynching law. He did. And the response, just like, wow. He said, you know, I thought we, we did that back in the Johnson years. Right. And, I, and, and by the way, I'll support it. Well, the next day, I had Senator Kamala Harris on from California. And I played <laughs> the, uh, the, the uh, McConnell's response for her. And she said, wow, hold on to that, hold on to that recording. And, and, then, and then a couple of days later, 
she then announced that she was going to introduce federal anti-lynching laws. So that's what uh, that's sort of the background of how all of this came about. Is there is there a need for it now? Oh, of course, I of mean, course. You know, let me tell you, when I brought it up uh, on my show, there had been two African American men who had been lynched in in uh, Oklahoma, and their bodies were dismembered recently. Yeah, yes. I mean, Holy we're talking about God. a month ago. You oh know, my this God! Is part of the problem, you know, the Trump stuff. I mean, he, these he stories aren't even getting out the there. Air out of everything, and people don't seem to pay attention. But we've had. You know, if you go to the Southern Poverty Law Center uh, website, uh, they they keep track of of all of these uh, of of all these uh, lynchings that take place. See, people think when they see when they think lynching, they they immediately think it has to be with a rope and somebody's is hanging. Right. You know, look, lynching takes place in many forms, and 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 then that's why when they opened up the museum uh, in Alabama, that's why they had a. A dis- they had a, a, a series of workshops to talk about different types of lynching. You know, when you get police officers that are indiscriminately shooting people, um, you know, a guy reaches in to get his identification, his kids are in the back seat, he gets shot, you know, like in like the situation in Minneapolis, excuse me, mm-hmm. that, that's lynching. So you're suggesting that, um, it, it, thank you for that, so you're suggesting that basically racially motivated murders should be a federal crime. It seems like it already, again, I'm, I'm all in favor of anti-lynching legislation, but doesn't that fall into the hate crime uh, legislation? Well, you know, well, yeah, it falls into hate crime, but at the same time, as, as Danny Davis uh, pointed out, it doesn't end there. It's, uh-huh. look, the lynching, hate crime is the motivation. Right. A- lynching is the act. Right. Okay, I got it. <laughs> you, uh, want, you want to prevent the act. So you want to make you want to make the act a criminal yeah. offense. Yeah, and and bring the FBI in to investigate it. I mean, rather well, than just depend on the local I mean, cops who might have been involved. You. you know, and and so so the you know see people think and lynching is something that oh we, we're beyond that. Well, we're not beyond it. And and uh, and and if and and that's why when they did that the, when they held those conferences down there at that museum. Um, uh, I tell you, a, a per- perfect person to interview is uh, Cheryl Eiffel, who has written a book on 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 lynching mm. and 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 how it it still goes on today. But people have to understand; they can't just think it's just a rope, a tree, and the old nineteenth and nineteenth, uh, I mean, twentieth century acts. It takes different forms, right. and as I pointed out. Uh, the, the, the story that got by a lot of people, the Oklahoma. Uh, you remember, excuse me, I'll give you another case of a modern-day lynching. You remember James Byrd mm-hmm. in Texas? Yep. Remember? Dragged, Where he's dragged by a truck, was the street yeah. and walking down the road, and, and they, and they dr- drug him in back of a, of a, of a pickup truck yep. to the point where his body was totally mutilated. That's lynching. Yes, amen. Uh, so I, I absolutely agree, and uh, the number for Congress is switchboard. If you want to call and, and uh, lobby on behalf of anti, federal anti-lynching legislation, is 202-225-3121. Joe, we're, we just have a couple of minutes. I, I wanted to ask you also about your thoughts on the, uh, the uh, defense by Sanders, Huckabee Sanders, and uh, Trump, uh, you know, and, and Jeff Sessions 
using that, uh, that, that quote from, I think it's Romans 14, that historically was used to justify slavery, that you should simply follow the law. Now they're using that to justify tearing children. Uh, literally, uh, uh, yesterday or a couple, a couple days ago, a nursing baby from, from uh, her mother's uh, side. I mean, uh, we're, we're a better country. We're a better country, and you said it best. You, you just educated your, your audience. You said it best. That was the very same thing that Southern uh, religious leaders used to justify uh, slavery in this country uh, over, for over 200 years, and it divided the church then. Uh, as I've always said, what we're dealing with today is, is not Jim Crow, but James Crow Esquire. It's nothing more than a sophisticated form of the same old thing, and, and we talked about it this morning. I, I got to tell you, Tom, it's, it's a sad day when the Attorney General can, just a, can, can use something that was used to justify slavery, but that just tells you where Jefferson Beauregard Sessions' head is. And we're a better country. We're just a better country than that. And yes, I know, you know, somebody said today, well, what's the number? How many people are we going to allow in here? I said, I don't know what the number is, but I can tell you it can't be zero. Yeah, and we need to have a rational policy, and we don't. Of course it's, we do. it's crazy. Of course we do. The, the great Joe but Madison. You have rational people to write the policy. There you go. JoeMadison.com, Madison, at Madison Sirius XM. Uh, hang on just a second here. Hey, do you brush with an electric toothbrush or have you wanted to? If you're using one of the one of the older, bigger, bulkier, you know, and some of them you know, are so aggressive they can even damage your mouth, uh, tooth, electric toothbrushes, uh, or if you've never used an electric toothbrush, I want you to pay attention. There's a new electric toothbrush. Time Magazine called it the invention of the year, right? Uh, it's called Quip, Q-U-I-P. It's slim, it's lightweight, it's about the size of a regular toothbrush. It's got a, you know, a little AAA battery inside that powers it and powers it for months at a time uh, be, between changes. And it, it does a really great job. It aggressively cleans your teeth, but it does so in a way that's good for your gums and good for your teeth. It's a, the perfect two-minute clean. So check this thing out. And it's great for traveling. It comes with a little tube that you can drop it in to travel because, like I said, it's about the size of a regular toothbrush, much, much smaller than your, than your big electric toothbrushes. And you can find out all about it at getquip.com slash Tom. That's G-E-T, getquip, Q-U-I-P, dot com slash T-H-O-M. Getquip.com slash Tom for more information. It's only 25 bucks, and they send you the refills, the, the brush heads that you're supposed to replace every three months. Every three months, they'll send those to you for only $5 free shipping. It's an amazing deal. Getquip.com slash Tom. Tom. Now back to the podcast. This is the Tom Hartman Program. And you can hear Joe Madison's show on Sirius XM Channel 126 weekdays, 6 to 10 a.m. Thank you, Joe. Thank you. Good talking with you. We'll be back. It's Friday. And uh, by the way, at uh, 10 minutes before the hour, Luke Vargas will be calling in from Singapore with our news report for the day. And uh, so just, just an FYI, and for those of you who are on hold, uh, you know, when that time comes, you'll know what's up. Although uh, Arthur will probably drop in and tell you. Otis in Yorktown, Virginia. Otis, you are on the air. Hello, Tom. I'll try to hit them quickly. I'll put the names out there. Cheryl Eiffel with the Legal Defense Fund is a good guest you could possibly have. The other one is Brian Stevenson with Equal Justice Project with that uh, 
Mention Memorial. Yeah. I'd like to also say Joe, Joe mentioned that Cheryl Eiffel, I'm assuming that's Gwen's daughter, has a new book out. Uh, and actually, it's a, it's a cousin. She oh, runs the Legal Defense Fund for, for the NAACP. Oh, but I'd like to touch on something else, too. Mm -hmm. uh, the the tele televising of the Rodney King uh, beating was a, a, a milestone in the media not sh uh, sharing events immediately when they happen because they know that Americans are impulsive and reactive. And the other part is, I love the way basically you've tied in your whole three hours a day is based on something I did in college back in 75 at the University of Arizona, the Power Manifesto. Mm. If you actually, people actually go through that. It's the most shared document I've used on social media because if you look at it, the past 40 years in this country is the Bible of what's going on. You're right. Right-wing millionaires use it to infiltrate colleges with the Koch brothers to circumvent uh, political representation through lobbyists and corporate personhood. And all of that is exactly what Lewis Powell talked about. And to give you an idea, I never knew who Lewis Powell was until I listened to some old black farmers talk about him in Yorktown, Virginia, where I am right now, because they had run into him. He was a staple in Richmond, Virginia. And right. you know the history of Richmond and the Confederacy and the whole thing. Yeah, he was a lawyer his who defended the white power was, structure, basically, in Virginia. Exactly. And his whole thing was he was a firm believer in, in the manifest destiny and the lost cause. Yeah. These are people who worked in his home when he, when he was a youngster. So I'm telling you that if people look at the, the Powell Manifesto, they'll find out it's a blueprint for everything we experienced, including the Mercers taking over Trump yep. once they had stirred up all of the, the uh, vitriol in the Republican Party. I love the work you do, and uh, keep on doing it. Thank you, Otis. I, I completely agree. And, and uh, I wrote a book about this called The Crash of 2016, and tragically, uh, you know, uh, publishers come up with titles, not authors. And it, it was a terrible ar ar title. I mean, the title should have been How Lewis Powell Set America on a Path of Destruction. Uh, and frankly, I wish they would reissue it. And in fact, I'd, I'd even go in and edit it a little bit to, to argue that. Um, because most of the book, I mean, the book, you know, opens with the Powell memo. And then, you know, how this was put into place and what the economic as well as political consequences of it are. So... Um, you know, we need to get that out there. Al in Franklin Park, Illinois. Hey, Al, what's up? Oh, hi, Tom. Um, I got a quick question here. Can you please uh, advise on, you know, here you're talking about a constitutional crisis. You know, this president of ours does something crazy. What would that look like in, in our world today? If, if uh, Donald Trump was to try to pardon himself, if he was to issue preemptive pardons against people who apparently collaborated with him in, or members of his family in crimes, um, if, uh, or if Donald Trump was to fire the assistant attorney general, Rod Rosenstein and, and replace him with, uh, his version of Robert Bork, the guy that Nixon brought in to fire Archibald Cox, um, you know, if he was to do that, then, uh, you know, you would have a situation where it's, it's conceivable that stuff could go to the Supreme court, uh, which would genuinely qualify as a constitutional crisis. I've said over and over again, though, I don't think that's how it's going to play out. I think pretty much Trump can get away with anything he wants right now. He, you know, he said during the campaign that he could go out in Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody in the head and, and people would still support him. I'm increasingly believing that to be true. And, and you know, he's using the tactics uh, to, to uh, quote FDR of the dictators of Europe. He's using those tactics, those propaganda tactics, the big lie that you repeat it over and over and over again to uh, to numb us to the horrors that, that he and his administration are doing to our environment, to our economy, to our to 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 minority groups inside the United States, to immigrants. Right. 
et cetera. So that's, that's my concern. Al, you raise a great question. Thank you for the call. Peter in Winter Haven, Florida. Hey, Peter, what's up? Hey, Tom. Yeah, I was just thinking that there might be an easy way to argue uh, why privatizing something is not a good thing. So think of a, a state-owned toll road, and let's say it uh, costs $5 to cross it. You pay $5, you cross it, and then the money goes to the state, and then the state can disperse it however they want. Um, and if, let's say that gets privatized, so now that $5 go to the private corporation, and now they owe, they pay, what, 21 20% corporate tax, and now only $1 goes to the state. And the other four dollars don't. Well, hang on so, just a second, Peter. The, the the corporate tax is a tax on profits. It's an income tax, so uh, they don't have to pay any tax at all if they can keep their profit to zero. If they simply, you know, okay. move all that money into salaries or into dividends to their stockholders. Okay. Yeah. So notwithstanding, basically, uh, any government function that gets taken out of the kind of circulation and into the private hands. That means that that uh, uh, gap will not have to be filled up with, you know, with the cuts and stuff, and we won't see any of that money that private corporations take over. And I think it can be applied to anything, VA hospitals, regular, just about anything. So I think if people easily make these arguments to Republicans and right-wingers, I think it's a lot easier. It's going to be a lot easier for them to see how privatizing something is not a good thing. Yeah, that's a good point. That's, that's a, you know, a, a very well-made point. Thank you very much for that, Peter. I appreciate it. Janice in Minneapolis listening on KTNF. Hey, Janice, what's on your mind today? Janice? Oh, my. Janice is listening to her television. Uh, let's try Tazio in Ithaca, New York. Am I saying that right, uh, Tazio? Yeah, yeah. You ask me that every time. I'm you sorry. always say it right. So Great. Just go with your instinct. Okay. What's on your mind? Um, I want to talk in regards to North Korea. I want to talk about that piece of paper they signed. Yeah. They refer to it as a declaration of friendship, which right. certainly doesn't sound legally binding. So I want to know if it's, who's going to enforce this thing. Is it going to be the Senate, the Congress, the Pentagon? There's nothing to enforce. Like uh, Tazio, yeah, exactly. you, you can That's go over. You can go over to CommonDreams.org. They've got the the whole document there. It's only two pages, and it's just a statement of principles, basically. You know, uh, we like each other. We're going to work toward you know peace and happiness and all this kind of stuff. But there's literally nothing to enforce. Donald Trump got nothing in exchange for giving away, for for giving, for elevating Kim to the status of world leader, and for and for uh, you know stopping well, our military optics, exercises. Right. It's just uh, the whole optics of the right. situation. Right. Right. It's not. He didn't give anything away except for being friends with another dictator. Uh, what Trump right? gave away was he, he's stopping our military exercises off the coast of the Koreas, and he says it's going to save us money, well, but we spend that money anyway. I mean, you know what? We're going to, we're, he's going to scrap those airplanes. He's going to fire those soldiers and sailors. I don't think so. So, no, yeah. No, here's my, here's my, yeah, that's my point. Did he give that away? Is any of the mil military spending going to change? Because military spending won't change, change, but our, our coordination with South Korea to prepare for the possibility that North Korea might do what they did the last time we pulled out of South Korea, which is invade, uh, you know, which I think was in 48. Uh, you know, our, our ability to work with the South has been severely hampered by this, by this decision that Trump made. Tazio, thanks for the call. Uh, Norma in Montgomery, Alabama. Hey, Norma, what's on your mind today? Hi, Dr. Tom. Um, I've been thinking about this problem we have in the country with everybody believing Trump. And it all goes back to Fox and to the lack of no fairness doctrine, which I don't understand why anybody in the, the Democratic House, you know, the members don't do something about bringing it back. But I think that what we really need is to have someone do some type of forensic investigation into Murdoch and Fox TV and see where his, how did he get his citizenship, where is his money coming from, and who is paying him off to destroy the United States. Wow. 
Uh, it, it's increasingly seeming in this this um, what now when or dot com or whatever that website is. The, this mashup that they did of Hannity reacting to Obama saying he talked to Kim versus Hannity reacting to Trump talking to Kim is just head spinning. And it really makes you think that this is now official state television. You know, we've got, you know, the foxes like the press in, in North Korea. Norma, thank you. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. We'll be back. We're going to check in with uh, Luke at uh, Talk Media News in about four minutes. Stick around. And welcome back. Jim, watching Free Speech TV in Los Angeles. Hey, Jim, what's on your mind? Hey, Professor Hartman, my goodness gracious, Jesus, Pete, how the world gets so crazy. Yeah. Uh, uh, Bunch of rich people anyhow. sat around and hatched a conspiracy back in the in the 50s and then again in the 70s, and that's how I got this yeah. crazy, Jim. And Chuck is up next, by the way. Yes, and, and it was one of your listeners who was so right that even though you disagreed with her, it was that we didn't jump into politics because life was so good then. Back in the 70s, we stopped the war, and then we stopped, you know, our politics. And and the world changed, and now these octogenarians are, are uh, geez, Jeff Sessions, is he, is he mentally competent? Uh, how can I, I he... think he entirely is. I, you know, being, uh, being smart or having your wits about you, even in your 60s or 70s, and I'm not sure how old Jeff Sessions is, but he's one or the other, uh, it has nothing to do with whether or not you're a sociopath. I know uh, 70s, but he, but it's it's that he he is openly, jeez, uh, he's uh, we're not we're America, you know. We don't take children away from their mothers. Well, we we apparently do now, Jim, and and this is and I agree with you. I think this is this is a complete violation of the principles. And Jim, thank you. You've said it so well uh, of the principles upon which this country was founded, uh, or at least some of those the better of those principles, shall we say. And, and certainly what we have come to stand for over the years. Chuck in New Haven, Connecticut. Chuck, you're on the air. Hey, how you doing? Good. What's up? Hey, I think you're fantastic. You're one of the best patriots. And you're amazing. You're amazing. But we need more people like you. But I have an idea, a couple of good ideas. One of them is public political debating centers. We need them all across the country. Because too many people are really stupid and don't know enough about opposition's opinions. And Here, Here's the problem with that, Chuck. If you look at, you know, I mean, Congress keeps taking these long weekends, right? They, they leave on Thursday, they come home, they come back on Tuesday so that they can go back to their district and have town hall meetings and meetings with their constituents. That's the right. theory. And they take these long, month-long vacations. I mean, Congress, about half the year, almost half the year, they're not there. And they go home into their home districts. The Democrats, pretty much right across the board, are holding town halls in which, in, you know, in venues where citizens can, as you described, stand up and debate those representatives or lobby them, essentially. The Republicans, almost to a person, are refusing to do that. They are not doing town halls because what they find is that when they get challenged in these town halls, the video of it gets out and it makes them look bad or embarrasses them. And what they are doing is so criminal, is so destructive to the values of this country, is so destructive to the planet that we live on, that, right. they, that they are not able or willing to, to defend it in public. They just can't. And, and so, you know, you're not, you know, if you had public debate centers, you, Republicans wouldn't show up for that either. Tom, I think we need to teach how to be the best American on TV, radio, Internet, schools, 
and also how to properly interact and against prejudice, which is destroying this country. Well, that's what I'm trying to do with this program, Chuck, but I, I agree with your sentiment, and I'd love to see you know, more civics being taught in our country, for example, and, and being taught in a rational way rather than like you know, Texas did with their school books where they, they took out Thomas Jefferson and replaced him with Rush Limbaugh. Uh, yeah, seriously, well, seriously. Yeah, thanks a lot, Chuck. I appreciate the call. It's great to hear from you. We'll be back. Let's check in with Luke Vargas and talk media news, find out what's going on in the world today. This report brought to you by GoatsForTheOldGoat.com and Ellen Ratner's new book, Loving What You Do. On the line with us, I believe still from Singapore, is uh, the uh, chief foreign correspondent for Talk Media News. And you can follow him as The Courier over on Twitter. Uh, Luke Vargas. Luke, uh, you are still in, in, uh, in Singapore? Yeah, pretty much everyone's left <laughs> who was here, here for the summit on Tuesday. I mean, the, the big advantage of kicking around, though, has been to be on the same time zone as Mike Pompeo as he sort of continues to pitch whatever was agreed to on Tuesday to our allies and to China, whose policy President Trump really seems to have embraced here. Um, and I think the, the real thing to watch as we sort of fit together different storylines here is, um, you know, how do these tariffs that Trump is saying he's going to place on China today, how are they responded to by China? I mean, the, the thinking really has been that what President Trump did on Tuesday was reach onto the foreign policy shelf. And uh, he had, there's a big red box there with uh, the red flag of the Chinese Communist Party with some yellow stars. And, and Trump basically took that off and adopted it as U.S. foreign policy, being the freeze for freeze program in exchange for North Korea freezing its nuclear and ballistic missiles. Uh, and then their tests that uh, the United States would stop military cooperation with South Korea. I mean, that is a, such a central um, a Chinese uh, request about how to view this. The Chinese crisis. have been pitching this for more than a decade. They have, have they been. Not? And I will, uh, I'll mention that in a, in a story in, uh, on January 18th in the Wall Street Journal of this year, um, there was a, 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 an article that asked 50 different people who had had um, face-to-face meetings with President Trump the year before to talk about sort of what kind of communications uh, you know, tactics they would recommend to, to break through and, and get a hold of the president. And in the course of that article, didn't get a whole lot of attention at the time. Um, but uh, a few people said that basically this notion of the freeze for freeze was not pitched to Trump by the Chinese, but by uh, President Putin last year uh, at the G20. Um, and um, that that is it's, it's only an article that people are sort of looping back to now and saying, oh, uh, <laughs> I mean, it, this so this was this was publicly known back when Putin pitched this to Trump. It was known in January. I think the meeting I don't I can't put a date on it, but it yeah. was maybe July last year um, huh. in, in Hamburg. Um, and so, but at least in January, we knew that there was a, perhaps even a Russian provenance to this idea as well. So the question is going to be, you know, does China maybe not quite mirror the retaliatory tariffs that they have enacted in response to past uh, protectionist moves by Trump recently? Um, or, you know, do, do they not really cut the U.S. any slack because of uh, us having come around to their position? So that's something to watch. And I would also say, I think something we are, I guess, not surprisingly seeing divergent interpretations of is this one line in the thing that was agreed to on Tuesday. And uh, the U.S. And, and North Korea really do appear to be interpreting what it is they agreed to on, on paper differently. Now, what's on paper isn't the end of the world, right? I mean, it's, it's very possible a purposely vague language was put down, and maybe that's good. Um, but we are seeing from KCNA, the, the North Korean broadcaster, uh, that they believe that they have agreed to step-by-step and simultaneous actions with the United States to take apart the nuclear program. And that's probably the only thing that is realistically going to happen. Um, but Mike Pompeo, um, as he goes around to South Korea and talked to the Japanese yesterday and, and is in China today, keeps insisting 
that not only are the sanctions not going to come down until uh, the nuclear program is fully dismantled, but that they might even throw in human rights, too. And so, again, it just suggests that um, short of um, actually giving us greater clarity about the process, the the sort of um, seemingly uh, impossibly vague language that was um, signed on Tuesday may have actually complicated this process more by sort of giving each country um, a part of a sentence that they can point to and say it completely backs up what their particular view is. Um, and, and one would have hoped that the, the sort of treaty or whatever we're going to call this, this agreement language would have been much more concrete. This so is why actually, these things are typically negotiated before the leaders show up. Yeah, I mean, I think there were, there were parts of it that were. Um, but as we talked about on Tuesday, it does seem there were parts that came together only at the last second. And, and my big question still coming out of this meeting, something I wish I had had a chance to, to ask President Trump, because I feel like a lot of porter, reporters spend too much time asking questions about policy, like big heady stuff that Trump doesn't know anything about. Mm-hmm. And what we would have been really nice to know is, you know, he said the rapport was strong. He said they were making deals right up until even after this agreement had been signed. The White House had hotel rooms and security through the through several days this week. Why did they pack up and leave? Was it Kim who felt like he'd bargained away too much? Did someone cut off Trump and said, dude, you're you're giving away everything? We, we need to, to end this now. I think that is odd to me because I, I think the who made that, that decision. We don't know. It, but it does seem like the language that was sort of hastily agreed to here has the possibility of becoming a liability as opposed to sort of um, unlocking further progress. So that is another big a liability for the process as a whole or for the, just simply for the United States. Um, I think for the United States, um, it's just, you know, you could tell there was um, a reporter who was talking to Mike Pompeo on the flight out of Singapore the other day, and the transcript came out the following day, in which he just gets irate. I mean, she, this person is pressing him saying, you know, you're saying all these things have been agreed to. What, what do you, what, what are you referring to in this treaty? Uh, President right. Trump himself also seems to think it's much longer and more detailed than it really is. There are divergent opinions already about this, and we're just several days in. Amazing. Luke Vargas, The Courier on Twitter. Luke, thank you. Thank you, Tom. Great talking with you. And thank you for being with us today. Another fascinating day. And I'm, and I'm sure Monday will be another one. So, you know, I have a wonderful and blessed weekend. And in the meantime, don't forget, democracy is not a spectator sport. It begins with you getting out there and getting active. Tag, you're it. We'll see you on Monday. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.